Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply second test the boxing day test hits us on tuesday with australia holding that one nil lead over pakistan but tommy there is so much cricket happening at the moment on the pitch off the pitch we just thought we better touch base with a man who's been busy bringing it all to us dan Cherney from code sports of course dan welcome to SN. thanks for your time mate good to be with you sammy and tom now there's cricket today at the junction oval as well but uh, i mean are you allowed in or are pakistan locked the doors on you as well <laughs> No, everyone's out. No, uh, no exceptions even for uh, even for media, which is a bit of a shame. Jeez. But um, uh, I, I do understand it to a certain level. There's a lot of Pakistani journalists here uh, from in, in town, and I, I think it's just unfortunately that the short, um, the hasty, hastily arranged nature of this match and the, and the fact that there's a lot of Pakistani fans meant that just from a security and right. perspective, um, oh, right. it's just probably not, it's just probably not ideal. Like as I said, it's a bit of a shame, but. Um, the Junction Oval, I mean, ultimately, it's sort of, if, if you've been there, it's really it's an office complex. I mean, it's, it's where yeah. oh. headquarters are. You, you so go is, in there and you it, cover the game from a, from an office as much as anything. Yeah, so is this more of a logistics and security thing as opposed to sensitivities around what Pakistan might be doing out on the pitch then? Yeah, I, I think so. I right. mean, put it this way, Pakistan, were, you know, they're training in the open. I, I don't think there's any huge concerns about Pakistan having anything to hide. Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, I'll tell you what, if, they, if they've got something to hide, they want to, they want to roll it out pretty quickly. <laughs> they want to show it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One hill down um, after a 360 run defeat and some concerns as well. But no, no, I think ultimately it's more of a logistical concern. But it, it is a bit of a shame because uh, yeah, it would have been good to be able to have the chance, particularly with, say, Will Kowalski and Marcus Harris, Peter yeah. Hanscom. Young Harry Dixon, I know Tom's uh, a big fan of, um, <laughs> playing up against the Pakistan side who uh, obviously keen to find some form. Yeah, and Chris Rogers is the coach of this Victorian team as well. Dan, you broke a story yesterday, I'm going to say early afternoon, but you might mm. know more than more than me, forecasting that the ICC might have an issue with Usman Khawaja wearing a black armband in the first test. It's exactly how it played out. He's been sanctioned for that. Do you have any idea whether he's going to do the same for Boxing Day? It's a really good question. And look, to be honest, I... I don't sure. My gut feeling is that he won't have this having been sanctioned already, and he won't want to run the risk. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a reprimand, and you know, it's really no skin off his back for now. But his nose for now. But um, I suppose that the concern is if he, uh, you know, if, if he gets a second offence, and then he starts to add up to fines. I suppose, in theory, if it really, if you roll out potentially suspension down the track. So I, I suspect with this, he won't. Uh, he's actually due to speak uh, at a press conference today at 10 a.m. Right. I think ultimately coincidental. Um, he's up. The, the Cricket Australia uh, this morning launches its um, multicultural action plan, which itself is a quite quite interesting. They're pushing amongst the, the various components of it, and there's been a lot of hours put in, a lot of consultation with community. Um, they want to increase uh, Southeast Asian, sorry, South Asian um, involvement in cricket at a professional ranks from at the, the professional ranks, pardon, from 4.2 percent to 8 percent um, across uh, WBBL, BBL, and, and state cricket, which is 
it's self significant. But no, it was meant to speak with Nick Hockley, the CEO of Cricket Australia, and, uh, and Lisa Slager, the uh, former Australian star and obviously leading commentator this morning at 10 a.m. at the MCG. So we'll find out a lot more about Usman's position this morning, I would imagine. So I'm reading your article in Code Sports now. Among the clearest goals that have been stemmed from the project is a push to increase the proportion of players of South Asian descent in first-class cricket, state and big bash teams, from the current, as you said, 4.2% to 8% by 2027. How are they going to do this? Are there um, frameworks in place that are going to allow them for that? That's a fairly big jump in such a short space of time. No, it is. Uh, having said that, they are um, they're pretty bullish because the, there is a quite a there's a disproportionate, well, certainly more than eight percent um, of of uh, players within junior representative teams are of South Asian background. So I suppose they're coming through the pathway. Is what I'm trying to say. So there are good signs. Um, they're investing. That they're collaborating. They're trying to bring these communities in more. They've put frameworks in place for this Pakistan series to try to engage the Pakistani community. You know, they hired a guy named uh, Ibrahim Badiz, I hope I pronounced that correctly, um, as a sort of a, a media consultant um, to sort of work on, on the, um, the Pakistan side of things from a cricket Australia perspective for this series. Um, and, and they're just generally trying to involve communities as much as they can. They, they saw the power of this during the T20 World Cup, where it was quite stark. I remember last year, you know, India and Pakistan um, and, and Sri Lanka and Bangladesh, to a lesser extent, were sort of packing up their, their grounds, their crowds with, uh, with South Asian fans supporting those teams, whereas Australia was sort of only getting quarter and half full venues for, for their games. So, you know, there's a huge untapped market here. I mean, we know the passion of those communities for cricket. So um, it, it is a, a long-term goal. And it's not, it's not quite like South Africa, where they have these targets for um, on the back of apartheid, but uh, I suppose there are sort of slight parallels in that respect. Dan, really interesting piece. We were talking about it earlier with yourself and Crash. Uh, Henry Alonga, he got in touch with uh, the former Zimbabwean cricketer, of course, and I think Crash might have introduced him in the story as cricket's most famous freedom fighter. And a lot of listeners this morning will remember uh, he and Andy Flower, of course, uh, the death of democracy armbands. I mean, but the basic suggestion from Henry was, well, while he supports Usman and, he, and his cause and his stance, well, how much is too much potentially to the detriment of his own career. I mean, and he cited a few examples, all for very different reasons, of course. Um, is there a sense of that? Could he, could he push the barrow too far, or are, we, or are we a long way from that, do you think? Oh, look, I think there's all, look, I think we're probably a fair way off quite that level. Uh, and first, I should say all credit to Crash, who got in touch with Henry Logger, who he'd uh, spoken to on the Fox's Cricket Legends um, series a few years ago, and it's worth watching that episode and you can track it down. But uh, look, I think look, there are clear differences. Obviously, Zimbabwe mm. was a fraught and, and you know, disastrous regime under Mugabe, and, and we're, we're very lucky that whatever the issues are in Australia, we, we don't have any of them. But having said that, if you just stick your neck out in the line, um, uh, you know, I suppose you do run the risks of whatever fallout comes, and we've sort of seen with this ICC reprimand, albeit at a very minor level, um, the potential pitfalls. So, look, um, Henry Longer knows better than just about anyone uh, as Crack put it, cricket's most famous freedom fighter. Uh, you know what what can I suppose go wrong from a professional perspective if you, if you do yeah. push and push too far. I mean, it's funny. Andy Flower, coincidentally, who, who as you touched on, was the other man who in that, in that um, protest was uh, actually working with the Australian team quite a bit this year. And you know he's clearly managed to forge a very successful career as a coach. But you know he's been sort of um, alienated from Zimbabwean cricket um, in the decades since. So. Uh, look, I don't think anything quite like that's going to happen with Usman Khawaja, but I suppose it does show that there is a, it is a slippery slope. Dan, you've seen in AFL football that the league has constantly evolved its views and its perspectives and its, I guess, its processes to allow 
um, for these messages and, and social causes to be promoted by its players and its people, and, that, and that's an ongoing process. Do you believe that the ICC and, by extension, Cricket Australia is as open-minded to continue to evolve as well, or is it pretty rigid and set in stone what the ICC and Cricket Australia think, and that's it? I think it's important um, to distinguish between the two. I think Cricket Australia, particularly under Nick Hockley, who um, you know, has had his critics over the years in some facets, but I think one thing you can't criticise him on, and we've sort of seen that uh, a bit, um, you know, even with his multicultural plan and the fact that he pushed Australia into Pakistan and that he is sort of probably much more of a cricket globalist than, than perhaps some of his predecessors, is that he, he does want to, um, you know, he, he does see the bigger picture. And even when I spoke to him last week about cricket's transgender policy in Australia, and, and he is much more um, backing his, um, you know, backing the importance of inclusion as opposed to sort of a purely scientific approach, which the ICC have probably went towards and have been a bit, I suppose, more draconian, making a, a pretty blanket plan on players who've gone through male puberty. So uh, I think from a CA perspective, but um, that there's, there's sort of a, a more, you know, if want a better term, progressive approach. Um, but it's probably also easier for them because they're in a, you know, a liberal democracy like Australia, uh, whereas the ICC um, have to weigh up, you know, and within the bounds of, of their own power, where you know, they've obviously got a lot of pressure on from India and there's questions as to just how much power the ICC truly wields <laughs> relative to, to the Indian board. Um, you know, they've got to manage, you know, scores of countries around the world with, you know, myriad political issues. Uh, I mean, the cricket world is just it's a crazy place when you think of some of the countries that are, that are involved in the various issues going on. I mean, look at countries like South Africa and the complexities there. Afghanistan being the, the sort of stark recent examples. Zimbabwe, historically, the West Indies isn't even a country. So it's, uh, you know, it's, not, it's, not, it's not so straightforward. Speaking of Dan Cherney from Code Sports. Now, Dan, Tom Curran, four-match ban. He and the Sixers are appealing it. Should they just go cap in hand and be thankful that they're not getting eight? Yeah, look, when this footage emerged last night on, on Channel 7, it, it did look pretty... It didn't look good, did it? It's, uh, it's hard to sort of look at it any other way, I, I think. Uh, and you do sort of wonder... I have spoken to a couple of people at the Sixers, but I just do wonder, and I get they are sort of thinking that you know it was, it was a little bit out of, I was taken out of context, and, and that um, Tom wasn't necessarily aware of everything that was being said to him, and um, and that uh, you know his intention was not to intimidate, um, and that you know this is not necessarily commensurate with with some other bands. They sort of point to the fact that Cameron Bancroft got four four matches, you know, for for, uh, for ball tampering. I mean, that eventually was into nine months from a. Um, lost that many points for ball tampering that went to nine months over a bar. That's a, that's a separate issue. But no, look, um, that's sort of the, the devil's advocate. Uh, my gut feel is that they probably should just stump up when you look at the footage. It's just yeah. not a good look. But, but help, um, us, out, help I mean, us out for a second here, Dan. Like, you follow the world um, watching the cricket. You're, you're well-versed in it. I mean, and so is Tom Curran. He would know, would he not? Whether, whether he's unclear about what the umpire's saying or what the message is, he would know that he can't warm up on the wicket, though, surely. Yeah, that, that's a pretty blatant one. I mean, it, it sort of goes, it stands to reason. You, don't, you just don't get, you know, there's a reason the square is blocked off and the guys mark their run up and then they don't go on the, or, or they often will bowl on the, the pitch adjacent to, to the, to the centre wicket. Um, you know, I mean, the other Tom sitting next to you would, would, would be well aware of that yeah. through his career and it's just, it's just not the done thing. And even, look, even if you think that he's had a you know, brain fade and leaving everything to one side, the umpire is literally standing in your way. Yeah. I mean, he's standing there. We can all see it. What, what, even if you can't understand what he's saying or he disagrees with what he's saying, just just clearly the guy standing there wanting you to stop. Don't egg him on. I mean, just if you if you if you have an issue, go up, talk to him, say, look, what, what's going on here? Can I, can you please move or, or just you know, reach out to him gently? That's just not. It's a horrible look. 
and it's funny actually. I just from a to bring the footy in for for a change. Uh, there was compar- it was sort of quite uh, eerily similar to um, to the Toby Green incident back uh, at the yeah. very venue in twenty twenty one, the very same venue at uh, York Park. Yeah, and, and um, I don't know if you saw it earlier, Dan, but uh, uh, my understanding is that he walked past or he ran past the umpire and then said, "If you stand in the way, I've nowhere to go. You f head!" Like it's an amazing sort of. Um, slur towards the umpire even that in itself is probably worth a suspension yeah no no i, I did see that report from you tom just um not, not long ago and I, it's uh yeah very good information for one but um no it, it, i mean it's crazy to think that he would say that it's just you just can't be doing that i mean we all know you know umpires you know they can cause frustration whatever i understand you know they're going to get things wrong you're not going to necessarily agree with the way they go about about things but you just Everyone knows you just can't be doing that, and it's just hard to envisage how the Sydney Sixers uh, are going to successfully overturn this. Uh, you know what? I, I would really call for Cricket Australia and the Sixers because, compared to say, you know, say the AFL, cricket historically has kept a lot of these things very quiet in terms of the way it organises these processes. You know, I would just implore cricket just for the for the sake of transparency to have this case open, open to media, yep. um, just to allow us a greater understanding, the public a greater understanding of what is, is and isn't acceptable and what the Sydney Sixers are trying to argue. Yeah. Because I think it's really important. It's interesting to say, note actually that Adrian Anderson, the uh, mm. former AFL 2IC, was uh, head of football a long time ago and still a, uh, an advocate of the tribunal, was, uh, was actually the commissioner, the code of conduct commissioner who uh, presided over this case in the original instance. Hey, just a left field one for you, Dan. And projecting ahead to the end of the Pakistan series and the start of the West Indies series, we don't know who's going to replace David Warner at the top of the order. And the game in Canberra, Australia, it was the PM's 11, was sort of generally billed as the uh, as a bat-off between Matt Renshaw, Cam Bancroft and Marcus Harris. Now, Renshaw's playing BBL. Bancroft's playing very well in the BBL. Marcus Harris is playing today and tomorrow against Pakistan. And I just wonder whether whatever pecking order the selectors have can change based on how Marcus Harris bats in this game and maybe even Will Pekoski as well. Do you think it's going to have any bearing at all, this red ball match? Well, I think we have to have some bearing. I, mean, I don't think you could completely ignore it. I mean, he's playing against, um, if not a test quality attack, and close enough to it. I, I don't know exactly which quicks Pakistan will play. I imagine they'll, they'll try to give a couple of the guys that I mean, Kurum Shazar's already out of the series, so they'll probably try to rotate through a couple. And I'd, imagine, I'd be surprised if Shaheen uh, played, although maybe you will roll the arm over briefly. But uh, no, for sure. I think it has to have, you know, if he goes on and makes a big 100, um, then I think it has to have, have some bearing. I mean, I, I don't think it's going to be his be-all and end-all. I think Wilbukowski is probably a different instance. I, I don't think there's any chance that Wilbukowski is going to be playing yeah. test cricket this summer. I just think they, they, they want him to get through a full season. For, for one thing, he, he hasn't actually been firing in shield cricket, it has to be said, during the first half. And it's just great to see him back out there, clearly. Uh, but for Harris, you know, in what is still seems to be a pretty bunched field and uh, and where he has been, I suppose, the, in the box seat for a long time now, having been the spare bat last summer and then travelled to the Ashes without playing, I think uh, I think big runs would um, make him back over the edge if, he, if he's not there already. Dan, love it having you on the line, mate. Really appreciate your time. You've been flat stick. We've been loving your coverage. And uh, Usman Khawaja's press conference at 10 o'clock today, which you'll be at, will be absolutely fascinating, Thanks, I'm Tom. sure. Yeah. Really appreciate it, mate. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Cheers. Dan.